You know, uh, we're going to be in Psalms 103, uh, actually for two weeks. When I started studying, when I picked this out, I didn't really think about how much information there was in this, and I thought this would make for a good message, so we're going to make it two parts, which in some ways I think that's cool because Thanksgiving has passed, and a lot of times people get excited about Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Day, but what we're looking at is perpetual praise, constantly giving God thanks even after Thanksgiving Day, even years after that event has taken place to give God thanks. So um, I'm going to pray and ask God's blessing on this message first. God, you know that we here in this church have so much to be thankful for. We have family to be thankful for. We have the ability to come to your house to worship you in peace and safety. We have a school to go through to. Uh, we have sports that can be played. We have our health. And God, I just, I'm, I know we don't always remember the things that we have. Um, I know I, I struggle too. I just pray that God, as I open up my mouth to share your word, that we would be reminded of all the 10,000 reasons we have to give you praise and to give you thanks. And I pray for the words to say in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if I was to ask you, if I could get you up here to give an answer, think about what would you say the benefits of are of this situation? For example, living out in the country. What are the benefits of living in the country? You have fresh air. Stars. Is that what you said? You have what? Quiet. More freedom. You have no neighbors. You have no nobody down the street blaring their music. Uh, it makes me think of when Leslie and I first got married. We lived at the, the most awful spot you could live at a, at a first apartment. Just down the street was the fire station. And so every five minutes in Spokane, the fire truck was going by. To make it matters worse, some guy at like three in the morning thought the loudest rock music was the best thing to play while I wash my vehicle. Right? So you don't get that out in the country. You just... Whatever noise is out there, you've made it, or it's some coyote that's, that's uh, making it. The benefits of your job. You know, we all have benefits for the job. You know, some people have health insurance with their job. Some people get to use the family or the company car. Uh, they get sick vac in vacation days. They get stock in the company. Multiple things that you can have benefits based off of whatever job that you have. You know, there's even benefits to Leslie. Of course, I hate to say it that way, even benefits. That doesn't sound good. But there's benefits to being married to Leslie. And you guys even get to experience some of the benefits, right? Because she gets up here and she sings. That's a benefit. She makes cookies that people get to, or goodies that people that she makes every week that people get to enjoy. But I, I get benefits. I, I get the, the built-in music. She's, a, she's beautiful. There's the cook and the, the cleaning of the house. There's, there's all sorts of things. There's other benefits I'm not going to share, but there's lots of benefits to being married to Leslie. Today, we're going to be looking at benefits to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Benefits that David, he's talking about, he's as, as a believer in God, he writes out a list of things that he finds as a benefit, and he's we're looking at praising God perpetually. Perpetually means constantly, continually, uh, seeming to never end, endlessly praising God. It's like that eight circle eight track that never has a start and a stop. It just keeps going all the time. David is going to be helping us to see the reasons that we have to praise God. We're going to be looking at five out of the ten benefits that he lists. Before we do, I want to look at Psalms 103. This is where we're going to be at, besides a few extra verses I throw into. 
But I want you to notice, first of all, that this is a psalm, right? Which is a a song. David, yeah, Jason's got it right. A song. David's, there's music to this, I wish we don't have, but this is in a song format. A great way to remember anything is by song. So David has written these things out as song. Number two, I just said it. This is a psalm or a song of David. Right? That's not astronomically cool. It says that right below the Psalms 103. It says a psalm of David. But I want you to notice when you look at this verse, who is David writing to? He says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his, Lord, praise his name. David is reminding himself which obviously is for the rest of us also, but he is reminding himself of reasons that he has to praise God, to, to bless the Lord. To bless the Lord is to praise with affection, with gratitude, to speak well of. He says, there are lots of reasons that I'm reminding myself of to praise God. And David's doing whatever it takes. He's writing it down. He's writing it in song, song format. He's, he's displaying it so that he reminds himself of reasons he has to praise God. Now, why do you think David would do that? Why would he write down reasons that he has to praise God? Well, sometimes it's easy to forget. What was the cool things that God did for you in your life? Uh, anybody here have a short-term memory? I told Leslie. She's like, I don't understand how you don't remember this and that from your childhood. I said, I only have so much memory space. When other information comes in, the rest of it leaves. <laughs> I, that's all. I only got this little block of memory. So it's easy to forget. So he's writing it down. But sometimes, you don't always feel like praising God. And I think David probably, at times in his life, didn't feel that excitement of God accomplishing something. Maybe he felt dry. It felt like time since the last time God blessed me, and I just don't really feel like praising God. So he writes it down to remind himself uh, of reasons he has to praise God. So we're going to be looking at five benefits uh, today that, uh, that David says, this is reasons that I have to praise God. The first one is probably, this one could just be a whole message all by itself. But since we don't want to spend 10 weeks on this, we just want to spend two, we're just going to have to go through a little bit quicker. It says, benefit number one, who forgives all your sins. He, that means he, um, he pardons, he lets them go. And David says, he forgives all my sins. Now, when you think about David, when you think about King David, what comes to your mind? I bet you think of, well, David's got his little sling, and he throws that, that rock and hits the Goliath in the head, and he falls over dead, right? Probably, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you already know that. But what else comes to mind when you hear about King David? Bathsheba, right? So we got, well, David's like, would you please take that out of the Bible, God? But you got Bathsheba, who was supposed to be off at war. He's looking out the wind off the palace, and he starts lusting after a woman. He decides he's going to go farther, brings her home, and has relationships with her. So he's committing adultery. And then he tries to get Uriah to come, so it can look like it's Uriah's child. And then he has Uriah killed. So this is what David's like. This is what you think of when you think about David. And he says, God, thank you that you forgive all my sins. Everything that the whole world knows. They're going to know for thousands of years what I did, God, because you thought it was important to record. Thank you that you forgive me of that. 
And you know, all the things that David did that are recorded, God forgave. All the things that David did that are not recorded, if he asked for forgiveness, God forgave him. That's a pretty big benefit. I bet David's just like, praise God that you're willing to forgive me of all my sins. The sins that David committed multiple times in life, you know, because he wasn't perfect either. The, the sins that he committed and he didn't realize it and he confessed it, God was willing to forgive it. The ones that he struggled with his whole life, the ones that... Uh, every sin that he could possibly do, it says all, total, every single one that David confessed, God was willing to forgive. So I gotta, I gotta, we gotta stop here and say, what about me? Well, you know what? Sometimes in life, you, you do something and everybody knows about it, right? You know, you get your name in paper because you're speeding. You know, everybody gets the paper. Everybody wants to check out. That's the part they want to see. What did everybody else screw up? If you confess that sin, God is willing to forgive that sin. You know, um, I'm going to share this at the nursing home. So I thought, what about now? You know, sometimes we, the things that we do are on display for everybody. And I've shared this story before, but I, I like this story. When I was about 12 or 13, about Caleb's age, uh, we were doing this pie social for church. And this was not a sin, but this was very public. Okay? So uh, um, my dad, I was supposed to take this cream pie, and I was supposed to go like that, act like I was going to throw it at my dad, and then stick it in my own face. Okay, well, I, as a dumb 13-year-old kid, decided my dad is honorary enough, and so I threw it. And it landed on, it would be like Carol, or Sharon Berkeley, or Sharon Heather, sitting there right in the third row. That's where it landed. Everybody saw it. That's the, the sin that you do that everybody knows about. If you're willing to confess it, God's willing to forgive it. The, the sins that nobody knows about, that you would rather be caught dead than let anybody else find about. Anybody else think about that? I got skeletons in my closet. My wife knows. No one else knows. And there's no way I'm telling anybody. Those sins, if you confess those sins, God will forgive you. The ones that you committed on purpose, if you're, if you're repentant and you confess it, God will forgive it. The ones you committed without realizing I did it again, God's willing to forgive it. The ones you have been struggling with your whole life. Right? Anybody got sin that I've been struggling with my whole life? I just can't seem to get my tongue. I can't get that thought. I can't get that action under control. If you're willing to confess that sin, God's willing to forgive that. The ones you have yet to commit. Right? I, I wish I could say from today on I'm going to be perfect. I already said in Sunday school I should be perfect. I've seen people get consequences for their sins, but I'm not. God's willing to forgive that sin. And God's willing to forgive the sins that you commit that other people won't. I have offended this person enough times or even just once and they won't forgive me. God will forgive me if I'm willing to confess. That, that should apply to all of us. We should all say at least once a day, praise God that you forgive me. Because that is the most amazing thing that he could do. If you're unsaved, if you confess your sins for salvation, ask Jesus for salvation, he'll forgive you. If you're saved and you've done this again, he's willing to forgive you. But that doesn't mean you get a license to sin. It doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want just because God forgave you. Paul uh, in Romans chapter 6, 1 and 2 talks about that. How it's not okay to just keep on sinning because it's already paid for. Because somebody, uh, because Jesus is going to forgive you. But he will forgive you. It's just a matter of if you confess your sins. 
if you're willing to admit to Jesus what you did, he is faithful and just and he will forgive you. It's a guaranteed promise. To me, I just say, praise God for that. I can go home now. God, I have enough to praise you about all day, every day. Because that's... You know, and I can think about the things I screwed up in the past and say, thank you, God, that you forgave me then as well. Benefit number two is that he heals all your diseases. Now, in David's life, we don't really read about some major health issues that he had. He didn't have, like, leprosy. You know, he, didn't, he wasn't at a near-death experience physically. And so we look and say, that's what it's referring to. Um, in Psalm chapter 38, it's about the closest that we can come to about the, the struggles, uh, about the wounds David had. But it's probably more of a figure of speech talking about uh, the sorrow for his sins. And this is the weight of the guilt that he has. But, you know, David did have other physical ailments that are just not recorded. Anybody here tell everybody every sickness that you have? You know, I don't. I don't. I mean, I know this group of people is very quiet. They, they, they don't blab to everybody, this is my ailment. The people will tell me, but they don't tell each other as far as publicly. Right? So we, we understand that. So David was a guy who had other ailments. He was sick at times, and God healed him of those things. He healed him of those diseases. Does that mean God healed him of every disease? No, because David had a son with Bathsheba who died shortly after he was born. God could have done something, but he didn't. David himself died. He didn't live forever. So God didn't mean, or David isn't re, uh, saying that God heals every single problem that you have. But if you're going to have healing, it's going to be God who heals you. Now, some people will say that... Um, you know, every disease that I have, you know, I don't know if it's really God who heals me. Uh, sometimes the body just heals itself, right? You know, if you get, if you get the sick with the flu, it just is a matter of time before you, you, you get over it, right? Um, I think about when I was a dumb kid. I was a dumb kid lots of times. Um, I used to get canker sores in my mouth. Anybody ever have one of those? Okay, well, this is how dumb I was. It was about Christmas time. I got about three of them, and there's more fudge to eat. And I'm still eating it, right? Because I'm like, it's going to take two weeks anyway, so I'm just going to eat this. Canker sores. People say the body just heals it by itself. Well, in some sense, it does, but who created the body to do that? God did. He created the body to be able to heal itself. Some people will say, well, the doctor and the medicine is what healed people. You know, that, that heart transplant or that surgery that you had, that's what made you better. They cut out that cancer. That's what made you better. But just think about, I don't know, I don't take medicine very often. So if you do, just think about this. Tylenol. You know, I have no idea what those big words are and how they fit in together. And they crunch it together and they put it together to make that little tablet. But if, if God was not in that, they could mix every ingredient that they want and you could eat it and it would do absolutely nothing for you. But it was because of God's giving that surgeon the ability to, to, do, uh, to cut out that cancer, to, re to remove that gallbladder, to, to do whatever it was. God gave them the ability. God gets the credit as the healer. He's the one who makes that medicine work. So God is the one who heals. That doesn't mean he's going to heal everything all the time. But if you are going to get better, it is going to be God who does that. That is a big reason to praise God. Number three says, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. To redeem means to ransom, to redeem, to deliver, to purchase as in buying a slave and setting him free. 
You know, typically, if you were if we were slave owners today, you know, and they had this slave auction block, we're going to take Caleb's the slave for the day, and who's going to buy Caleb? Well, most likely you would buy Caleb to work, right? You say, I'm going to bring him home and work him like a dog on my ranch for as long as he's capable to work. That's what a slave would typically get. Now, there's, there's three options of what you could do with the slave. You could buy the slave from the slave trader or from somebody else and say, now he's my slave. You could buy this slave and say, you know what, Caleb, I feel sorry for you. I'm just going to let you go. That would be a shock to him, right? To any slave who's a, who's a slave saying, I get to go free? Really? And that's kind of what redeem is, but it gets even better. Because it wasn't just that Caleb was a slave and I set him free. Now I made Caleb a part of my family. He redeemed him from the pit and crowned him with love and compassion. The pit would mean, would be... Uh, like, when, when you die, you're not saved. There's like a holding place for the dead people to go. It's a place of torment. It's not as bad as hell. But you don't get like a, a respite or a soul sleep or anything like that. You're going there and you're going to suffer until finally you go to hell and you, you suffer there for all eternity. It says, you rescued me from the pit. Just picture David at the edge of falling off a cliff into the pit to die. And God says, I'm going to rescue you, David. And not just say, you're free, go ahead and go live your life however you want he's saying I'm going to make you a part of my family that's a pretty amazing thing that's what God did for David and David says I praise you God that you rescued me and you made me a part of your family well guess what I can say the exact same thing God rescued me I am the sinner that was on the way to that holding place, that pit, that place of the dead before you go to hell. I was on my way there. He rescued me from that. He grabbed me by the collar, yanked me back and said, no thanks, I want you to be part of my family. And he gave me eternal life. And he crowned me with love and compassion. That's what God did for me. He didn't just rescue me, but he made me a full-fledged member of his family. That is a reason to praise God. That is a reason for you to praise God if you have put your faith in Jesus as your family as well. Number, benefit number four says, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You might be thinking, God's satisfying my desires with good things. Well, you know, for, for kids, you totally get this. If you're awake and you're following along, you totally are going to get this. For your parents, you're going to have to go back a few years. Okay? Think about the parent-child relationship. You know, the kid wants that plate of... Oh, uh, french fries, right? He's hungry. I got that. My mouth is watering. I want those french fries. And what does the parent say? I'm not going to give you the french fries. I'm going to give you green beans. How many kids are happy? Not, not any. No. <laughs> really? Okay, you're telling me you'd rather have green beans than french fries? Okay. Invite Stephanie Crystal over. Give her a plate of green beans and she'll be happy. Um, anyway, for the rest of us, that's not going to work, right? I'm, I want the french fries. You're giving me the green beans. But you know what? My, my stomach is still going to be satisfied. It is still going to be full. God, you know, my, my, the parent-child relationship, the parent knows what's best for the kids. They know the green beans are healthier. They know they're going to stick with you longer. They know they're more beneficial to you. You translate that into how God works with us. He satisfies my desires with good things. Not always what I want, but what is best for me. And David, he knows that God is going to do that. 
You know, I, I, think about, I think about kids, and my kids, who don't always get what they want, but we try to provide them with the best thing, that, what's best for them. And I think about my own life. I haven't always got what I wanted either. And you might say, darn it. Or you might say, good, look, I'm happy. I don't know. But ever since I was about 13, I was crazy about this girl named Jessica. And I thought, man, I, I thought this is a girl that I'd like to marry and whatever. You know, and I even went to a, her, her parents' house and we had this biblical conversation that I'm not going to try to explain because I was just crazy about this girl. Leslie, she was crazy about some boy named Andy. I grew up with this kid. You guys would have liked him. He's all into basketball, right? If he was here, you would like him. He's a good guy. But you look and say, that's what I wanted. That's what I thought was best for me was Jessica. And she thought Andy was best for her. And we could discuss the arguments we had with God based off of these things. And God said, that's not what's best for you. I'm going to actually give you what's best for you. It's going to be each other. Obviously, I was the winner of this thing. I got Leslie. She's the loser. <laughs> she, whatever she could have had. God said, this is what's best for you. And now I look back and say, thank you, God. Leslie is so much better than Jessica ever would have been. I think about jobs. You know, when I, when I applied here, it was shortly after applying to a church in North Dakota. This is where you could say, like, yeah, you're not lucky, okay? There's this church in North Dakota I desperately wanted to go to. It's almost exactly like what I came from. And I thought, man, that's exactly where I want to go. I, I couldn't tell you where it's at on a map or anything. They turned me down for a guy by, it's like Alistair Bang. He's got that Scottish accent. I'm like, how do you compete with that? You know, and you can't, right? It doesn't matter how good I could preach or whatever, but he's got the accent. And so he got offered the job there. And so I got, I came here. When I can, God says, this is what's better for you. It's not better for you to be there. You know, I, I kept in conversation with a guy who had interviewed me before the actual supposable interview and he he told me like how the church fell apart he told me about all the the leadership problems and that church is like nothing i think that church was bigger than this and it's smaller than this now because of the problems that were there that i would have struggled to try to work through and god said this is what's better for you and so i'm here and you can go on and on about a purchase that you made or about a decision you made to go on a trip or about a basketball camp you went to, whatever it is, whatever you can think of. God doesn't always give you what you want, but God does what is best for you. He's the parent. I'm the child. He sees the future. He knows what's coming. And so he's going to satisfy my longings with good things. So look at that and say, okay, I'm going to praise you, God, because you are doing what is best for me. Benefit number five, we are getting close, folks. Benefit number five says the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. You know, in David's life, I'm sure he saw injustices. And as a king, he could deal with some of that. God, he had God's law, and he knew that God's laws were just. He was trying to enforce them. He was trying to look out for the, the orphan and the widow and do what was right and just in God's eyes. He was a man after God's own heart. So David knew that what God had in store and that, uh, for, for maintaining law and order in his land, that God was going to work righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. 
You fast forward to our life today. You know, you think it was bad back then. I'm sure it was bad by a little bit. But you go, it's like that chart is going like this. We are like at least 100 times worse than it was back then. In my opinion, I don't know. I don't know what it exactly was like. But I think, what does our world do? It invents ways of doing evil. Any which way, anything that's you come out that's good can be turned to be used for bad. I've, I've come out with, not like awesome things, but ideas in my mind. This would make for a good movie or a good book or a good something but I feel like well the world's just going to take that make it better than me but make it worse you know that's that's the way our world is and we look in our world we see there's lots of bad things in it you see there's people dying of starvation that doesn't sound like the Lord's working righteousness and justice for all the press right if we're going to look at this seriously we're going to go uh, that doesn't seem to add up. You think about the abortion on demand. That doesn't seem like God's working justice, that he's allowing that. Random murders, right? There's there's people who are just sitting there at their, their restaurant eating. You know, Leslie, or Caleb told me about some guy who is on his computer at home with his headphones on, and all of a sudden this bullet just came through the wall and hit him in the headphone. He lived because his headphone was there. I don't know what that bullet would have done, but completely random. That doesn't sound to me like God's doing anything to stop this. There's sex trafficking and abuse galore. These things are going on right now as we are sitting here. These awful, wicked things are going on. And it's hard to look and say, God's working righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Are you sure? Well, I have to say yes, because I know God knows the end from the beginning. I know that God is in control. And we, we saw how uh, in Sunday school, God does not delight in the death of the wicked. Right? That would mean all of us. But we think about the, the big wicked out there. God doesn't get happy when those people die because he loves those people. He wants those people to come to know Jesus as well. But God is working out righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. They just may not know it. You know, sometimes the person who commits the crime just runs around for the next 20 years full of guilt. Right? They just, they're always looking over their, their shoulders. They're always afraid of getting caught. What's that person looking at me for? Because they feel this guilt. They feel like they, they, everybody can see right through them. And they're just thankful that they get caught. Finally, after 20 years of running, I'm glad that I'm getting arrested. Please do whatever you want. I can't handle this guilt anymore. It might come in the form of nightmares of... of um, that, that they, they keep replaying in their mind, what did they do? So there is some justice there. Um, but, you know, ultimately, those people, if they don't repent and turn from their sins and turn to Jesus, they are going to get the, the greatest justice of their life. They're going to stand before God, and He's going to sentence them to hell for all eternity. There's none of this, I went to jail for 10 months, I paid my crime, and then I'm free to go. I paid my debt to society. There's none of that. There's you went to hell, and you stayed there forever. God is going to work righteousness and justice for all the oppressed, one way or another. Because God is a loving God. And that can be an exciting or a good thing if you're looking and saying, I've been wronged. But that's not a good thing if you're the person who has wronged somebody else. You know, in Romans chapter 12, 19, God even says, leave the revenge up to me. I'll take care of it. I know they did this and that and the other thing. But he says, revenge is mine, thus saith the Lord. Right? Don't do it yourself. Leave it up to me. He's going to make it right. You know, I think about uh, yesterday. We bought uh, what's it, uh, this TV series called The Real McCoys. Anybody know that show? It's a black and white. 
No, nobody knows it. Okay, <laughs> I like it. Well, Leslie bought this thing uh, for me for Christmas, and we were trying to watch it. I know it's early, but we were trying to watch it, and it wasn't working. So she, she sent it back, and she's having this email conversation with this guy saying, well, you need to give us this information in order for this to work. And so she said, here's this information. Well, now you need this information for this to work. And so Leslie's doing that. So finally, she's like, I've had enough. I'm calling, is it UPS or Amazon? Amazon and saying I've got this problem and this loud this lady gets on and she says I see everything that you've done I can tell that it's been shipped I can tell that they've actually received it I can tell blah 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 do absolutely nothing else about it Leslie if they email you back do not respond we've got it taken care of those people responded hey you need this and that and guess what Leslie's doing Taking her hands off of it. She's got the big boys after this guy. Whether he, if he's scamming people or if there's something that needs to be made right, Amazon is going to take care of it. Leslie doesn't have to do anything about it. You think about when you've been wrong, God says, you just put it in my hands. <laughs> you just let me take care of it. And it's like, okay, I, got, I know I got the big boy after it. I got God on my side. He's going to make it right. So if you ever get scammed by Amazon, by someone on Amazon, go directly to Amazon and they'll take care of it for you. So here's five benefits that we have to praise God. Right? We have the fact that God is willing to forgive all your sins. Whatever they are. Doesn't matter what you've done, how long you've done it. God's willing to forgive it. Number two is he's willing to, he's the one who heals you, that makes you better physically. He's the one who rescued you from hell and gave you eternal life. He's the one who satisfies your desires with good things, even if at first it doesn't seem like the best thing. And he's the one who works justice on behalf of the oppressed. So I want to suggest four things to do very quickly with what to do with this material to help you, to help myself. Because David wrote a song, right? If you're not into writing songs like Noah, that might not work. But that could be a fifth one. Write a song. But David wrote a song. He wrote it down to remind himself of reasons he had to praise God. So here's four suggestions. One is to get a diary or notebook. Now, I'm not one of those people who writes down everything happens in life. Okay, I don't write down, you know, this was the day that Leslie made this. This was the day that Noah came home in a snowstorm, whatever, and was home safely. But I know some people write things down. They just, that's part of life. I just write down in a journal. I would say write down the things that you have to praise God. I will tell you this number two is what I do do. Um, use a calendar. The calendar book, uh, I went to the bank the other day to get one. I'm like, come on, these things aren't out yet. But I have a list of things that I, I write down on a calendar book every day. Uh, just little notes. Mostly it's about who does what. So I remember when... Somebody plowed the parking lot. I remember when somebody decorated the church and I write down notes so that if anybody asks, I can say, look what's happening in our church. But you can write just a little star or a little dot and write one little comment about what you have to praise God for that day. And you're going to find your month is full of things that you have to praise God about. It's just a matter of keeping track. You can have conversations with each other. Hey, regularly, you know, on Thanksgiving, anybody make your family go around the table, say, here's what I'm thankful for. I did. <laughs> anybody else do that? Okay, good. We've got one. Thank you. I was feeling kind of alone up here. 
Um, but Thanksgiving, that's kind of a tradition, is making everybody say something they're thankful for. Well, you can do that every Sunday at lunchtime. Okay, kids, tell me something you're thankful for from the whole week. You passed the class. I got an A on the test. I, we got home safely from the basketball game. Just regular times of saying what you're praising God for to remind yourself of how great God is. Or you can just open up your Bible to Psalms 103, and you can find at least 10 different things that you have that you can praise God for. You know, David wrote a psalm, and we get to read it, and we can enjoy it. If we want to have fun with it, we can make some music that goes with it. But he's reminding himself of the reasons he has to praise God. And so I want to encourage you to be like David. Do whatever it takes to remind yourself of the reasons that you have to praise God. And I want to say, do it the best that you can. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul, with everything that is in me, not... Thank you, God, for the weather. Thank you, God, that I got home from this. Thank you that I passed this test. You know, like, thank you, God. Because, I mean, like, just think of the one example of he forgives all my sins. That's, that's amazing. And what does that mean is I'm not going to have to deal with that the rest of my life. We're going to get into next week. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he separates my, my sin from me. We have an amazing God. And I just want to encourage you to praise him in an amazing way perpetually. Just make it your part of your day every day to praise God for the things that he's done for you. And do it the best that you can. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for being our God. We just looked at just a few reasons that we do have every day to praise you. And I just pray that we would be reminded of those things so that we do give you the praise that you deserve. And I know, God, we don't always feel like it. We have good days and we have bad days. And I just pray that we would, you would just put it, inspire us um, to give you the praise that you deserve all day, every day. Because, you, God, you really do do a lot for us. more than, So much that we take for granted. And I just pray that we, we would be, do an adequate job in praising you for the good that you've done for us. And I thank you for, for those things. And um, just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.